Hello, everybody. You are listening to Limited Playtime, the board game podcast where we used to do board game reviews in 30 minutes or less. <laughs> where the next episode is free. <laughs> I am Kyle Bolin. And I'm Jason Cavallari. It, and, has, uh, it has been a while. <laughs> it's been a while since we've done just a review or what we consider a review. Uh it's probably been what, like two or three months now since we just did a straight up review of something, and we're not doing it tonight either. <laughs> no, I, we've been doing other fun things. In the Mission meantime. statement destroyed. <laughs> we'll get back to the the reviews in the new year. <laughs> yeah, you got all, You can all uh, email support for a refund if you feel that upset about it. Uh, <laughs> but it's uh it's 12 days till Christmas and even though that doesn't count as the 12 days of Christmas because I know that starts on Christmas Day uh we I are did going know that it does yeah uh we are going to do uh, a limited playtime gift giving guide so these are games and or game related things that we are going to recommend for I believe seven categories we have here of people you may be purchasing uh presents for who are interested in or already heavily into the board gaming hobby. Uh, So you've got a board gamer that you love, that is in your family, that is a friend, that is a whatever, whom you would like to purchase a board game, board games, or board game-related thing for. We're here to help you out because you are just lost in a sea of choices. Uh, Kyle, Jason, how do I get... To the shore. We're about to show you the way. <laughs> we will to be your beacon upon the sand. Follow us to Christmas Island. <laughs> Not Fireball Island. No, don't go there for Christmas. <laughs> no, it's a terrible place. That would don't be a there. bad time. Uh, all right, so Jason, we have seven categories here. Let's start with the one on the left hand of my list that I'm looking at that you can't see. Nope. <laughs> uh, that would be... <laughs> This is people new to the hobby. So if you've got somebody in your life who is relatively new to the board gaming hobby, but they're very curious about it, they're very excited about it, they're in what I told Jason I consider discovery mode, (laughs) Uh, then this is for them, right? This is like somebody that's maybe played a game of Carcassonne or a game of Catan or something with somebody, and maybe they own a game, right? But now they're looking to sample all of the wonders that this hobby has to provide we're here to make suggestions for what 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 would be good choices to start somebody off and say yeah here here's kind of what this hobby has in store for you you know these are these are some good gateway games for lack of a better word right yeah uh to to try to try to sample sample where you want to go with this okay uh do you want to start jason uh sure i have one um so I was thinking about this a little bit and, uh, you know, there's a lot of different types of games and we've certainly talked about a lot of different types of games on the podcast. Uh, one of those types of games is usually like social deduction games. Um, and, uh, you know, they're games that are usually good to pull out at parties or something. Um, and, and a good one to start with, if you're at all interested in exploring that area, like maybe you host a lot of gatherings and you want to whip out a game. Um, one of them that's relatively easy to pick up is not super expensive and uh, and is a lot of fun is Coup. Um, it's uh, it's a card driven social deduction game. You have uh, a role assigned to you and you either uh, you know bluff or tell the truth as serves your purposes as to what role you actually play and that in how it, that affects how you deal with the other players and in turn how they deal with you and. Um, and so on and so forth. And it's, it's a pretty fast playing game. It's, uh, it's sort of low, um, low barrier to entry. Um, and it's, and it's a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it every time I played it. Yeah. I, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, variants of that game as well. I there believe, are, right? yeah. Like Avalon is, is one of those, I believe, uh, I own that. Uh, it's never gotten to the table because I've never been in the situation where it made sense to play it. But I mean, like just looking at it, you can tell like, oh, this is a, a variant of werewolf or mafia and, it just does its own little spin on, like, you know, the specific roles, things like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if somebody's interested in testing the waters of social deduction, that's a perfect place to start. Yeah, it's and it's a it's a fun little game, and I've played it with gamers and non-gamers alike, and everybody's had a yeah, good time. So. It would be good, yeah. I used to run a werewolf with some kids I was doing group therapies with, and uh, they loved it. it. It always went over <laughs> really, really well, so. Any other recommendations for uh, people in discovery mode? Uh, well, I mean, generally speaking, uh, one of the things that I would recommend is to like, at least try out some of the classics. So you mentioned, mm-hmm. for example, like Carcassonne and Catan, I probably wouldn't try out Catan so much anymore, but, um, I wouldn't recommend buying it. 
No, certainly not. Uh, I might actually recommend buying Carcassonne because I still I still like playing I think it. Carcassonne <laughs> is always pleasant, right? Yeah. Um, it's not something that I'm excited to play, but it's a pleasant game. And if you're just getting started on the hobby, at least you're getting somebody a gift that. And they just came out with a brand new version, right? That looks like fancier and nicer and everything. Yeah. Um, that that would be a decent gift because it is a pleasant game to play. Uh, it's an easy game to play and it's a classic. So you mm-hmm. know that's that's a that's a good reason to have it if you are in discovery mode. Indeed. Um, but. Yeah, it's still pretty unique, I think, in the tile-laying space. I mean, there's plenty of tile-laying games, but the way that you score in Carcassonne, I haven't really played very many other games that score like that. Um, and it's so expandable. I mean, there's like a dozen, yeah. at least a dozen expansions for the thing. Yeah. Um, uh, another On top of those, you know, the classic ones, one of the things I was going to say is, like, if you're interested in exploring a little bit into the Euro game space, um, I would suggest trying out at least something like Castles of Burgundy or Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you're you're getting into a, a little bit more demanding games there. Slightly, yeah, but yeah. still, I mean, these days games can be a lot heavier than that. And, but I oh, still yeah, think sure. that those are on kind of the lower end of, uh, you know, entering into the hobby. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Uh, so I've got three things written down here. Uh, I, I, I was originally going to go with Memoir 44 because to me it's the quintessential, like, you know, uh, one versus one sort of skirmish game right Mm -hmm. battle game whatever but then i thought about it and i'm like i talk about memoir 44 on this podcast enough y'all know i love memoir 44 and y'all know that if you wanted to purchase something that kyle loves for somebody else memoir 44 would be on that list but i thought about it and there's another game that i've played i don't own this one but i think it'd be a great place to start i think it might even be like a little bit simpler than memoir 44 as far as the rules go and that's summoner wars which is another game where you've got sort of like a little army but they're all represented by cards so it's i think cheaper than like memoir if if you wanted to like expand one more at the very least, maybe the base games are about equivalent in terms of, of price. Um, but it comes with multiple armies that have like sort of a commander that has special powers and special stats. And then he's got a bunch of like other sort of spells that he can cast or she and uh, minions essentially, right? Like, like soldiers or whatever that go out on the battlefield and they're all represented through cards. Um, and you know, the, the card positioning and like sort of like, you know, a mana, a mana system that uses, utilizes the cards, uh, all that gets thrown in there. And it's a good representation of lots of mechanics mechanics that get put into I'm not want to say Ameritrash games, but conflict heavy games, mm-hmm. you know, games that require card play or resource management and then have variable powers um for, you know, whatever faction or side or whatever that you're playing. Um yeah. and it's a good it's a good little battling, you know, like like short term, not very long, not very demanding, but still very satisfying little, you know, conflict uh game. So sure. I like Summoner Wars for that. Uh, another one that I think is good for introducing somebody into a area control game that's not Risk, um, but is still relatively easy to get into and, and a good stepping stone into the hobby is Small World. Oh, uh, yeah. Small World is, I think, a really, really satisfying, easy to pick up, easy to play, but also, you know, really fun uh, area control game where everybody has sort of like variable race powers um, and they all get kind of mixed up with these like modifiers. We've reviewed Small World on the podcast, I know, but we don't talk about it a whole lot. And I think that bringing it up here makes a lot of sense because I feel like it would be a good gift for somebody just getting into the hobby. The other thing that I want to recommend for people getting into the hobby, and this is probably the most obvious choice, but this is for co-ops so somebody that wants to try out cooperative gaming which is a huge part of the hobby at this point is pandemic pandemic is for sure yeah if somebody doesn't have pandemic and they're getting into the hobby it's almost like i don't know i feel like it's almost required that they own a copy of pandemic in order to be here (laughs) um if there's a if there's a keeper at the gate and this person is at least a little bit interested in co-op games, then I think that that keeper at the gate should be looking for your pandemic card. Right, yeah. Because there's so many other games that are sort of like based on the mechanics that Pandemic created. And if you know how to play Pandemic, you know how to play like 60% of the rules of like 90% of the games in the co-op space. (laughs) Yeah, that's quite true. And it's easy to find. I mean, they have it at, like, Walmart. <laughs> and it's super cheap, too. I, I saw it going, like, on Black Friday sales for, like, 15 bucks or something. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, but but even then, even if you don't get it on sale, it can't be more than, like, 30 or 40 bucks, like, if you walk into a Target. And so it's not going to be a gift that's going to break the bank, but if it's somebody just getting into the hobby, it's something that they're going to probably appreciate if 
they're not completely opposed to the idea of a cooperative game. So sure, that's what I've got there. Uh, the next category we're going to talk about is fans of casual games. So this would be like somebody that's in the hobby already, knows what they like, and they know that they like a lighter game. You know, they just want to get, kind of get together with some people, have some fun, maybe have some drinks, just hang out, and they just want, you know, a relatively casual light game to play while they do so. So what have you got for that category, Jason? Well, I have a couple of things. I'm a big fan of casual games, uh, actually. Um, so two of them that popped into mind right away are ones that we've actually already talked about on the podcast, so I'm not going to mention them in any great detail, but one of them is King Domino, mm-hmm. um, which is a nice little you know tiling game. Yep. Um, and then the other one um, was uh, Forbidden Desert. Yeah, uh, which I we've talked about, that about many times. Yep. Yeah, so but the two I don't think that I came up with that I don't think we've talked about, or at least not in any great detail. Uh, one is Hanabi, um, which is a, a fun little card game uh, about putting on a fireworks display. Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, the trick to it is that you can't actually tell; you don't know what cards are in your hand um, because you hold them up in such a way where the face uh, the the face of the card faces the other players. Yeah. Um, and so you have to come up with combinations of the different types of fireworks and, and point values and whatever else without that you being able to see your cards and without the other players being able to specifically tell you what's in your hand. They can hint yeah. and clue at things, but they can't tell you. Um, so there's a little bit of like, you know, kind of clue deduction kind of stuff in there. And, it, and it's mm-hmm. a fun little fast playing game. We have um, a Beyond Baker Street which is basically based on that game. It uses the same mechanics. Um, I've never played Hanabi, but I know Beyond Baker Street is almost the same thing, except that it's all Holmes-themed and everything. And Jocelyn and I have really enjoyed that as like a two-player cooperative game. Yeah, I've played Hanabi a few times um, because Dave has it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've enjoyed it every time I've played it. It's just a Mm -hmm. a fun, cute little game. Um, The other one that I came up with that we mentioned a little bit during our Gen Con coverage is Furnace, which is a brand new game. Yeah. Um, Man, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. (laughs) Shut Up and Sit Down just did a review, and they talked about it on one of their more recent podcasts, and it's got me thinking about it again. Yeah, so Kyle and I played it once uh, because I I bought it at Gen Con, and... um, and it's a it's a fun like well designed fast really kind of casual uh, engine building game I guess I would say it, it um, is definitely an engine building yeah. game. It's, a, it's an auction game and then it is also an engine building game it is both of those types of games <laughs> uh, and and it's basically you just kind of like go from one game to the other essentially right within a round yeah yeah pretty much. Yeah, you you sort of there's a series. I think they're factories. They they put factories out and you bid on them. And uh, the bidding mechanic is kind of fairly unique. You know, if you bid and lose, it's, you still get something, even though you it's lost. It's really cool. It's a really cool creative uh, auction mechanic. Yeah, and all, on all the the factories that you buy have like really different powers. So you try and have you know make them work together to to get your engine going and whatever else. And it's it's fun. It's fast. It's not terribly expensive. Um, although it was when I bought it because I'm smallish stupid. box, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's mostly cards. Um, so it's you know it's it's not heavy uh, in terms of um storing or you know table presence or anything like that. But it is yeah. a really fun game. Yep. Uh, so I chose two games for this category. Uh, I don't, I don't think I get as as excited for casual games as you do, but you know I have been known to enjoy them for sure, for sure. Uh, so one that my wife and I just picked up not too long ago, I think we got it uh, Thanksgiving week, and, or maybe it was uh, maybe it's in October. Anyway, uh, is Baron Park, uh, <laughs> which is a game where you compete with others to create a better bear park than them. Uh, and <laughs> sounds really it, fun. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's 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 uh it's a lot of like uh sort of tetronomo. Not they're not tetronomos, but you know like shapes, right? You're you're arranging shapes. In, in, in on a grid and trying to activate combos in order to maybe like grab some extra you know bear enclosures or you know like <laughs> other types of things that you would put in your bear park in order to make it more appealing or whatever um, and then ultimately like you know it's a very casual experience and by the end of it you're just scoring up and seeing who got more points than the other person and everything but um, it's very much like you know you're you're drafting tiles you're trying to put the tiles in a nice little arrangement that allows you to lay them over icons that then allow you to like grab more tiles or whatever and um, ultimately, 
it, it, it's not too demanding and also like it's got this very pleasant sort of like oh I'm putting a golden bear over here and oh I've got my little panda bears over here and so <laughs> there's also that that sort of component of joy with just like you know uh, filling a little park with bears uh, which thematically is really fun um, so we like that we, we thought that was pretty fun I intend to play that with my kids soon um, as soon as I can get them interested in building bear parks uh, <laughs> so looking for ideas on how to get that uh, seated in their brains uh, and then the other one that I picked uh, and this is one that I've played oh my gosh so much at this point um, is King of Tokyo and for me it's specifically King of Tokyo uh, Dark Edition um, that's the edition that I got in 2020 uh, when they did the the initial print run of that and uh, I like it better than normal King of Tokyo because it comes with one additional mechanic that's not very complicated but I feel like it makes the game so so much better balance than it is without it and that's it has this wickedness track that um basically like gives you the opportunity to like get three power-ups during the course of the game and the way that you go up that wickedness track is by rolling uh, matches of twos and ones on the dice which are typically like kind of like you know like trash because that's you know like when you get three of a kind on dice you get the number of points that are on there and the ones are the worst right because you're trying to get to 20 points is one of the win conditions in this game but with the wickedness track you get to move two spaces up the wickedness track if you get three ones and you get to go one space up it if you get three twos and then you know if you get three threes it's just three points you don't Mm. go up the wickedness track at all so it suddenly like creates value that wasn't there before with the lower point range um on the dice so i think that king of tokyo dark is a better game than just base king of tokyo i haven't played king of tokyo with all the expansions so i don't know how much of that it adds in with the expansions and stuff but if you just wanted to pick up one king of tokyo between the two that i've played i think king of tokyo dark edition is the one to go with also it's got like you know really cool dark art and everything um but you know it's it's another one of these dice chucking sort of yahtzee style games where you get to roll dice up to three times and try to make combinations of things that either get you points or do damage to other people or heal you up or give you energy that you can then use to buy you know cards that give you variable powers and it's light it's quick uh it's real easy to teach real easy to play you could probably play it half drunk um but it's (laughs) always a blast so king of tokyo i think is a huge winner for the casual games category nice yeah all right, Jason. Next category is fans of heavier games. So these would be people that, um, you know, they do want to sit down and they do have want to have a little bit of a crunchier time with some some medium to heavyweight games. Uh, you know, when they get together on Sunday, it's it's about the company, but it's also about the games. You know, <laughs> and and so it's not just about sitting around and having a casual time chatting while throwing some dice. This is a little bit more of a step up, or maybe several steps up. So what do you got, Jason? Um. So honestly, I mean, we could probably go on all day about this is this is our bread and butter for this podcast yeah yeah yeah. pretty much and you pretty much already know all of our favorites so you know we could talk about twilight imperium we could talk about kingdom death monster we could talk about uh any of the (laughs) various related games uh, yeah yeah. like so i mean just listen to any of the ones that (laughs) listen to our podcast that's this category. Yeah, listen to the podcast. Um, but uh, a couple, uh, or at least one that I was thinking of that I don't think we've talked about a great deal, um, actually, or even at all, is um, a game that I, again, picked up at Gen Con. It's a fairly new game. Uh, it's called Vampire the Eternal Struggle Rivals. Um, so if anybody is familiar with sort of the World of Darkness uh, kind of property, uh, it's been around for a long time. It's typically a role-playing game where people play like ancient vampires that manipulate other vampires that are sort of organized into clans and tribes and they try and like outmaneuver each other politically or through outright violence or whatever else. Um, so what they've done is they've taken that role-playing system and distilled it into uh, a card game. Um, kind of like Magic the Gathering, except it's not as collectible as that. Um, so you have a deck that represents... Uh, your your tribe that you're you know in charge of and you use the vampires and the various abilities in that deck to try and outmaneuver your opponents who are playing different tribes um it's it's a complex game there's a lot going on um there's a lot of mechanics that uh that have to deal with the various different parts of the game whether or not you're in a certain location or you have a certain power or this particular vampire or 
there's a political action happening or something um and then the the resource which is sort of blood drops you know the, uh, the you know the resources whether or not you have them and you need them and whatever else there's a lot going on in the game it's really complex but it's also really kind of fun um so if you're into that if you have any familiarity with the property it's something you might want to check out and if you really just are interested in um in ccgs and and uh sort of worlds that have a lot of depth to them through the through the cards um this is probably a good game to check out there's also several expansions where you can um uh, they release expansions periodically for different tribes of vampires that have different mechanics in them as well cool is that is that it that's your choice uh yeah i did have another one but it just kind of left my head so <laughs> oh, okay well if you remember if i remember time, i'll done. let you know <laughs> yeah okay so i picked three things for this category and one of them is one that we have reviewed but i wanted to bring it up because i think it's a great gift for somebody that's in this in like they're they're in this place for the hobby right um and that's brass birmingham um, if they don't already have Brass, either Brass, there's Brass Lancashire, and then Brass Birmingham, if they don't have either one of those, I feel like Brass, it was a gift that I received a couple of years ago for Christmas, and I've, like, I feel like I just have treasured it ever since, because it just feels like such a premium sort of game, you know? And I think that's one of the nice things about giving gifts, is you often get somebody some, give somebody something that is a nicer version of something that they might otherwise get for themselves or something, right? And that's not necessarily true for Brass because it's just a board game and it probably costs as much as many other board games, but the production quality on it is just so great. You know, the artwork and everything, the way the cards feel, um, and just the level of brilliance put into the design of the game, if you like economic-type games. Um, I feel like Brass is just such a great game that maybe flies a little bit under the radar and maybe isn't in everybody's uh, library just yet, even though it has had its moment in the light on Board Game Geek, I feel like it kind of fell off the radar, uh, you know, within a few months of being on the radar, and mm-hmm. I feel like it's still something that would be really special to some people if you decided to get it for them, and, you know, they're interested in, in heavier games, more economic-type games, more Euro-type games. Um, I think that's a really great one. Um, the next one is a game I just picked up relatively recently, and Jason, you and I have played it, uh, but now I've played it again with the solo rules that came with it. Uh, and I'm not selling this as a solo game because that's another category we've got, but I just think this is a great game probably to play with other people. I didn't really love it solo. And that's Great Western Trail, which now has a second edition that just got released. Um, and I think that's just a really, really great, like, sort of like medium to heavyweight Euro uh, that does a lot of things, does it really, really well. And so, and now the box looks way better. <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah, the artwork art was is way bad. better. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like now it would be an impressive gift instead of a, huh? Like sort of record scratch moment when they opened it up and had to look at those weird uncanny valley faces staring at them, you know? Um, so Great Western Trail, I think, would be another really great gift for somebody that is into medium to heavyweight games, likes Euros. I feel like that's kind of like a perfect one of those. Um and we haven't talked about that on the podcast. And here's another one. Let's say you've got somebody to buy for that said, Great Western Trail, that was fun, but boy, I'm sure looking for the next step up. This is the kind of person that goes to bed reading rule manuals. This is the kind of person that, you know, like when they've got free moments to just go and relax somewhere, they make a cup of tea, and they go curl up under a blanket with a rule manual. <laughs> that person needs a Lacerda game, okay? Uh, Vita Lacerda is a designer who has designed many of the games that are considered sort of the heaviest in the Euro category. And for my money, out of the two that I've played, I liked On Mars. On Mars is a game where thematically you're trying to terraform Mars, and the game kind of like revolves around this sort of like push and pull of doing things with worker placement in the orbit of Mars and then having to like catch a ride on a rocket back down to the surface to continue like sort of like making progress towards your goals uh, and and, and sort of like balancing those two things because if you're on the surface you can't do anything in orbit and if you're in orbit you can't do anything that's on the surface as far as the actions go Um, but there's all kinds of other stuff going on there like you end up like sort of like building up bases and creating little rover robots that can go around and look for stuff and you know there's all kinds of like you know uh cards that you end up drafting and putting on into play and everything um it's it's a fairly heavy game it's going to be very satisfying and crunchy for somebody that's looking 
for that. So On mm. Mars is my third choice for a fan of heavier games. Jason, did you remember I did. the thing you forgot? <laughs> what was it? So um, this is heavy in two different ways. One, it's it's sort of a very rules-heavy game. Um, but the other part is that it's also kind of a lifestyle if you choose to get into it that much. And that's mm. um, uh, Warhammer Age of Sigmar. Um, so... So this is like the tabletop game of all tabletop games. Like you don't play a board, you you do it with like rulers and and dice and 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 miniatures that have been exquisitely painted and whatever else. Um, however, um, and if you're looking for something like more discreet in that arena, um, so for somebody that maybe likes really likes you know, miniatures games, really likes some um, uh, war games. Um, and could maybe get into the you know tabletop wargaming miniature gaming space. Um, they do have starter packs that um, go for slightly less than a hundred dollars. So they're they're a little expensive, um, but you get a lot of stuff in it. Um, you usually get somewhere around 50, uh, 50 miniatures models, um, enough to start um, your own army. Uh, to to begin mm-hmm. to play skirmish battles. Um, plus mm. the rules. Plus the rules are included. Um, so and normally the a separate rule book is something like sixty dollars. So, um, so it's it's a nice gift package for somebody that might be interested in getting into that uh, game space. Now it's heavier not only because the the rules are sort of uh byzantine um but also because as i mentioned some people turn it into a lifestyle where they really get into collecting the miniatures and painting them etc etc which you know could be something that somebody else really enjoys but if they don't enjoy that part of it racing jason (laughs) if they don't enjoy that part of it the game itself is actually really engaging that i mean all of that just sounds like you know the the thing that gets into my blood and i can't get it out so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> heroin uh, i mean i, I mean well, heroin I've, I've actually been painting a lot so <laughs> yeah well you know i'm into that too it. right like i i've got my whole you know my I, I i've been modeling with the kingdom death models that i've had like sitting on the the, the expansions that i've yeah. uh, had just kind of sitting on a shelf for a few months so oh man i, I get into a habit with that i just uh, god i love like just kind of like chilling in the basement with some old netflix show i've already watched before on and assembling models and painting mm-hmm. them and Oh, so good. Sniffing the glue. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. I really like the way it smells. It's true. That's, uh, I guess that is heroin to me. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, fun. It, it, it is I relaxing. And... Yeah, I could totally see that being a really valuable gift to somebody. So and It's good, also good kind of like a, a sense of pride, too. Like, after you've painted something yeah, and you really absolutely. enjoy the thing yeah. you painted. like Right. You, know, you it, put it on display. You love looking at it. Right. You've invested more in that than you would in another board game, probably. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, perfect. Okay, next category is games for families with kids. (laughs) No, I do not have children. Yeah, but I mean, you've seen children before and maybe done things with children. I have, so, I mean, you, I have met You might children. still say, I had a really great time playing this game with, you know, my nephew or something like that, you know? <laughs> I have one game that I can contribute. <laughs> okay, what is it? Uh, Loop and Louie. I don't know if you've ever played it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the commercials. <laughs> it's really fun. I mean, it's stupid, but it's really fun. <laughs> okay. Um. So yeah, that's my recommendation. Looping All right, yeah. If that's is that still? Do you know if that's still in production? I believe so. I think I saw it actually at Target. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, so I have I have three. Uh, the first one is the one that I picked out personally. Uh, we have a game called Outfoxed. All one word, Outfoxed. Uh, it's kind of like uh, Clue meets Guess Who a little bit. Hmm. Um, there's like I don't know if it's like twelve or sixteen foxes in the game, and uh, one of them stole a pie. <laughs> and you are all detectives. It's a cooperative game that you play. Yes, that you play with your 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 children, your friends, your family, whatever. Uh, and you are all trying to figure out who stole the pie. And at the beginning of the game, you take one of the suspect cards and you stick it in a little sleeve, sort of like Clue, right? Who, who's the, who's the <laughs> culprit? And then you spend the rest of the game rolling dice using those Yahtzee mechanics. We try to get like you know a match of three that will allow you to move to Clue spaces and then like sort of like reveal. Yeah, like 
one of the things that the thief did or did not have, you know, like a scarf or glasses. Um, and so you start to rule out the suspects right that way. Um, and then there's, uh, there's other, uh, there's another thing you can do that allows you to start revealing who the suspects even are, which you need to do in tandem with the other action in order to start ruling out the ones that it's not right. Mm -hmm. In order to narrow it down to who you think the actual suspect is. Meanwhile, every time that you don't make the match that you're trying to make the Mr. Fox or whatever, there's a Fox, there's a representation using a little fox figure like moves through the world and if he makes it from one end of the board to the other y'all lose <laughs> so it's sort of like a race against time as well and that has gone over so well with uh, my six-year-old and we've played it with like his grandparents and it's always been a great time every time we've played it it's usually like one of those things you play it and everybody has a good time and you're just like let's play it again you it know this sounds was really a- fun it is. It's not one of those games where, like, as an adult, you're like, oh, God, again, kid? Like, like, you really want to, oh, my God, yeah. do I have to be exactly, right? Um, it's, it's enjoyable. And so I can't recommend a game higher than that for small kids to, you know, like, medium-sized kids. Um, <laughs> once I think – so I asked my son, Milo, uh, who is six, what his recommendations were for this category. I wanted to get his input on this. And the first thing he told me was the Pokemon trading card game. Oh. And I said – that's fine. Uh, I know that that's a good game for you because you, you know, it, it's good. He's learning how to read and, and he's, you know, when he sits down and read his Pokemon cards, he can read just fine suddenly. Um, <laughs> so I, I think it's good for that. You know, I think it's good for a lot of skills that, you know, young kids are trying to work on, um, you know, paying attention, sitting still, following rules. It's a more complicated game than something like Outfoxed. Um, probably not for every six-year-old, right? Um, you probably know whether your six-year-old is, is capable of basically baby Magic the Gathering, which is what it is. Um, also, it's super expensive if you get into the actual collector part of it. But mm. there is a starter box called Pokemon Trading Card Game Battle Academy that goes for $20, and it's where we started, and it's a great place to start. It comes with an actual board that kind of like shows you where all of the different parts of the you know the gameplay should go, like where your deck goes and discard pile and the, the prize cards that get lay, laid out and everything, as well as like your bench and you know the Pokemon that are out fighting one, one-on-one. Um, and it comes with three decks to get you started. Uh, they're not like special or anything. They're not going to like probably be so good that they could go up against like the best decks out there that people have constructed but they're plenty of fun for a six-year-old to it you know like a 10-year-old or whatever um and you the the parent or you know like the uncle or aunt or whatever Mm -hmm. um so pokemon trading card game battle academy is a great place to start for that and then i asked him to give me one more contribution that was a game that's maybe like you know an actual board game that we've played that is his favorite and he chose downforce which is a car racing game Hmm. Um, Downforce is not a kid's game, but it comes with rules that kind of strip out what's basically an auction mechanic in the game and just make it about uh, controlling, you know, uh, however many... There's six cars, and so, like, if you're playing with two players, each person takes three cars, and you're trying to get your cars across the, the, the start line, the finish line, first. And you do that by playing cards that move many cars so you're you might be moving your cars far but you might be moving your opponent's cars even farther with those cards and so it becomes a sort of balancing act of like waiting until you know waiting to play a card that moves your opponent's cars faster than yours until those cars are maybe blocked or something so they can't take advantage of the entire uh you know the entire movement value Mm -hmm. uh and he really likes that game he doesn't always win at it he rarely wins at it um but it's a lot of fun just to have like you know these these you know kind of like you know these these representations of race cars going around their track, and the the simpler rule set is fine for kids of like you know like five to six to seven or whatever, right? Like yeah. we started playing when he was five, and actually I think he was four, and uh, he's been able to play it ever since. So you know it's not that bad. Um, and then if you still want to play it with your friends, your adult friends, it has adult rules uh, that involve auction mechanics and and playing that into where people place and everything and using that to sort of use the cards to manipulate how they place at the end it's a real cool game real cool racing game so nice uh those are our recommendations for that next category is games for couples so if you're buying games specifically for you know a a couple who you hope will play this game just the two of them for like you know a special night a date night or something like that these are games that we picked for that particular uh target audience uh, did you have anything for this one, Jason? Yeah, I actually have two. Um, and I picked, I've played a lot of games that are strictly two player. Um, and these are the two that I actually like the most, I think out of those mm-hmm. one we've talked about, uh, before, which is hive. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really, uh, it's, it's a cool little game. It's sort of like chess, but with alternate rules, uh, there's, you control a bunch of bugs and all the different types of bugs, bugs do different things. And you try and basically, uh, imprison the opponent's queen bee. Um, and mm-hmm. there's a bunch of different rules about how that works. And, uh, plus it's a really nice looking game. I, you know, it's the, the, those nice thick bake light, uh, pieces yes. and, and what have you. Um, so, so that's one, uh, the second one is one that I don't think we've talked about um which is patchwork yeah um so patchwork is a nice kind of uve rosenberg yeah 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 um it's a nice kind of it's sort of a set collection game but there's also this tableau building kind of thing and um basically you're you're trying to collect scraps of fabric um and putting them together in such a way that you make uh like a quilt uh, essentially and um and the way that you put them together uh, determines how many points you get. Um, it, it It's sort of simple, um, but really fast playing and really kind of fun and, and also somewhat challenging. Yeah, there's a there's an app version of it if people want to try it out before they get the box copy, although the box copy is probably so cheap that it's. Yeah, it's you not, might as well just it's buy not that a huge too. game by any means. <laughs> yeah, it's a very small box. Uh, yeah, we've played it, too, and, and we've enjoyed it. Um, good game. Uh, is that that's your one? Uh, those were that were those were two. Those are that was high. Oh right, you you also did high. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Hive, I, I, uh, uh, another one that I was thinking of is kind of an older game, but Lost Cities. Um, oh yeah, I have that. It's a it's a Reiner Kinesia game. It's basically a math game, isn't it? Yeah, kind of. Uh, it's it's set collection math math game, but um, but my husband and I have played it quite a few times and and really enjoy it. Yeah, I don't think I've played that since like 2008. It's been a long time. Like it, it is an older game, but I think it yeah. still holds up pretty well. Okay. Yeah, I haven't played it in a long enough time that I couldn't tell you, but uh, <laughs> I don't remember hating it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, okay, so I've got three recommendations here. These are three games, um, if you could call them that, uh, that my <laughs> wife and I have played either uh, a good amount or an excessive amount, uh, and... Okay, I'll start here, okay? This is actually the thing, the very first thing that I thought about when we talked about doing this list, because I feel like out of all the things on this list, if you're buying a Christmas gift for somebody, nothing could be better than this, and it's Exit. Exit is an entire series of games. They're basically like escape rooms in a box. Um, Each one is just a little box that could fit in a stocking. So if you're looking for a game that can literally get be a stocking stuffer, an exit game fits the bill perfectly. And it's a great thing to do if you've just got like, you know, a Saturday, Friday night where you're just hanging out with your partner or, you know, like your roommate, best friend, whatever. And you guys just have like two hours where you want to do something together, maybe pour a glass of wine. This is the perfect thing where it's basically like there's a very light story that encapsulates each one of these exit boxes. But basically what it is is each each page within this book is a puzzle that you have to solve and not like a, not a jigsaw puzzle, although they also have some that use jigsaw puzzles, but you know, like some sort of logic puzzle that you've got to work out. Um, you know, some sort of brain teaser sort of puzzle. And oftentimes it's physical in nature too. Like there will be components within the game that you have to manipulate in some way. Like it might come with wooden dowels that you've got to figure out what you do with those. It might come with, you know, um, dials that you have to manipulate in a certain way. One time we had to take a dial into a bathroom and look at where we realized there was like little drops of something clear and it glowed in the dark, you know. Um, oftentimes you end up, the game will somewhat break the fourth wall where you, you find the answer to something you're looking for on the actual game box. I think we found information in the UPC code before <laughs> that we ended up using to solve puzzles. Um, so it just it just continues to find really impressive ways, really creative ways to surprise me and force me to think way outside the typical box for solving problems within the board game space. And you wouldn't really call this a board game. It doesn't have a board, but you buy it at the board game store. Um, you know, it, <laughs> that <it's>, counts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and so to me, this is something that my wife and I have really adopted as like sort of one of the, the, the things that we do that's special to us when we have time with each other. Um, is an exit game. Now, once you complete it, it's disposable. You know, you have ruined it by the time you're done. You've cut it up with scissors. You know, you've probably folded it a million times somewhere. Um, you're throwing the box away. You're not giving it to another person. You're not going to, like, pack it back up and try to use it again. It is destroyed by the time you're done to the point where you can never use it again. But... 
they're like 15 bucks. So it's not like you've invested a whole lot of money into it. And it's also just mostly paper. So it's not like you're like destroying the environment by throwing it away or anything. Um, so if you think of it as like a $15 investment into like, you know, a decent two hour date night with, you know, somebody, then I think that it fits the bill perfectly. I love exit. Uh, my wife got me the exit advent calendar this year and I've been enjoying the hell out of it. Um, I, I think exit's just brilliant. I love it to death. Uh, the next one, really fun. <laughs> it's so good, Jason. It's so good. We like, we like stockpile them and it's like, okay, like, you know, we've got, we've got two on the shelf now, so we've got a special night. Let's get one out, you know, and yeah. it, it's like our special thing um it's great it's great uh the next one is kind of similar it's uh sherlock holmes consulting detective uh if you buy a sherlock holmes consulting detective box it comes with a lot of material and it comes with i think typically 10 cases that you have to solve um it'll come with like a directory that gives you like you know the the names and locations of all these people in like 1800s like sherlock holmes era london uh as well as like 10 storybooks that you go through and work your way through in order to try to solve these crimes these mysteries um and you're the conceit is that you're essentially racing against holmes in order to try to beat him and you will not you will not beat holmes (laughs) nobody's that good at this game unless they cheat and so don't worry about that if you get this game but just think of it as like another sort of like activity that you do with people with you know your significant other roommate whatever um when you've got like you know a whole evening to just spend pouring through this very narrative heavy sort of uh mystery and trying to piece together the parts that it gives you the little leads that it gives you and going around like interviewing suspects or interviewing you know experts or whatever in order to try to come to the conclusion uh, that whatever conclusion you can find in order to try to solve a case, and then you take a look at the solution and see how close you were to the right solution. Um, and it scores you and everything, and and that can be a really good time. My wife likes it more than I do. I get a little tired because it can be it's it's very it's there's huge info dumps sometimes <laughs> where like trying to keep it all straight just kind of like exhausts me. And she's she's much better at keeping all that information straight in her head and kind of remembering all the little details and everything. So I think she's kind of like adopted it more as her thing. She's actually like done several cases with like a group of her own friends over Zoom during COVID times and everything. So it's been a good thing. Like I got it as a gift for her at least once, you know, like one of the boxes. But uh, it would be a really good thing if people if you're getting it for somebody that enjoys mysteries and enjoys like sort of solving those types of narrative mysteries you know they're they're the kind of person that loves i don't know like law and order ncis or whatever those types of things um Hmm. so sherlock holmes consulting detective is what you're looking for there and then the other one that i asked my wife if she had any recommendations she said you know we used to play a lot of codenames duet and i said yes we did codenames duet is a very fun game for two people uh it's a co-op game again where you're just basically playing codenames but cooperatively and it's great um cheap small box look into it it could also be a very good stocking stuffer so those are my recommendations for couples. The next category, Jason, is solo games. So these would be recommendations for somebody who likes to sit down by themselves and play a game. Did you have any recommendations for this? Because I know you're not as big of a solo gamer as I am. Honestly, no. I've played several games solo, and most of them I don't enjoy playing solo. Um, yeah, and, and the one that, I'll play, I'll play anything. Solo. And the one that I do, you don't actually like. So, <laughs> which one was that? It's Folklore: The Affliction. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I only tried it once, so. Well, I mean, I guess I, so if this sounds like something that you would be into, then, then have at it. But so Folklore of the Affliction is sort of a miniatures game. It's sort of a dungeon call, but it's also a really sort of campaign-y game that's very, very heavily story-based. So there's a larger, sort of like Gloomhaven, there's a larger campaign map um and then you get sent on these various quests and every time you uh enter a new area you go to like another uh, uh another like encounter map that represents like the farmhouse that you're fighting at or the cave that you're exploring or whatever um and your characters develop as uh, as time goes on they will die because it gets very very difficult um so you know the like one character's story arc will end and so you need to add new characters into the story and um i and the gameplay itself is not terribly exciting i mean it's a lot of dice rolling but the story is actually really good and very well written um and so and that's what i enjoy about it uh it's 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 fun to sort of just sit around throw some dice develop a character and and see where the story takes them Okay, I mean, that sounds good. I have a game at the top of my list that I want to recommend to you specifically after hearing you say that. Because the narrative part that you just highlighted is exactly what this game is. Yeah. Okay? 
So a solo game that I want to recommend, and I know I've recommended this privately to everybody in our own little like private chat channel and everything, and, and I know I think Todd went and got it, uh, is Legacy of Dragonholt. Um, hmm. Have you seen this around, Jason? I have, yeah. Okay, Legacy of Dragonholt is a very complex choose-your-own-adventure story, but you also start with character creation, and, like, you have skills, and your character does grow and get experience as you play through the game. But there's no dice rolling, there's no cards, it's basically just, like, did you make choices um, at the right time, right? Or did you make the right choice, or did you make a choice that gave you this benefit versus this other benefit, or, you know, a benefit versus, you know, uh, a detriment, or whatever. Um, and it's just so well written that it exceeded all of my expectations by a wide margin. Um, it's got like multiple quest booklets that you work your way through. You can completely miss quest booklets in this game. So I've actually like packed it away and put it upstairs and I'm like, you know what? We've completed the game, but we'll play it again someday because I want to see what happens when you go on this one quest that we just completely missed because we were just like, you know, goofing off (laughs) one day, like, you know, on one corner of town, like just trying to like, you know, like rub elbows with people and stuff instead of like pursuing leads that we should have been pursuing. Um, But Legacy of Dragonholt is just an amazing narrative driven game um, for one person, but you can also play it cooperatively. My wife and I played it cooperatively, but... You know, one of the things that I was looking for with my solo recommendations was looking for games that were designed for the solo player in mind, not a game that is multiplayer with solo modes. Uh, I believe Legacy of Dragonholt strikes me more as a game that was designed with the solo player in mind, but then has the add-on ability of doing cooperative play. Hmm. Uh, that feels like the modification, not you know, not the not the main yeah. version of the game. That's important. So. I think you should try that if you like the narrative part of um, folklore, if that's the thing that drew you in. Legacy of Dragonhold is so well done that I think that you might enjoy that as well. Hmm. Um, and it and it's not as rules heavy. It's very rules light, um, which is another thing that I think I was kind of like uh, sort of gravitating towards for solo recommendations because when I want to play a game solo, I oftentimes want to just set it up very quickly and play and be able to pack it up and, and put it away real quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I I will play anything solo. I will play Twilight Imperium by myself, just sitting around <laughs> like playing multi-handed. But the stuff that I feel like is the best recommendation that I can make is the stuff that is lighter in terms of components and rules. So Legacy of Dragonhold, I think, is maybe my highest recommendation for solo games uh, if you're interested in narrative-heavy stuff. Uh, the next one is a very small game. Uh, it is a button-shy game. Button-shy games is a publisher that makes... Basically, like, I think they're, like, 12 cards per game or something like that. And they all fit into, like, a little plastic wallet that you can literally put in your front pocket and carry around with you. It's worth going to their website and just taking a look at all the different games that they have and seeing if any of them uh, appeal to you thematically or mechanically or anything. But the one that I want to highlight for a solo game, because they're not all solo, is called Ragemore. Ragemore is, like, a... kind of like a solitaire game and I mean that in like the Klondike solitaire way where you have like four suits and you're essentially trying to manipulate those suits based on sort of like special abilities that will resolve on the cards that are out in front of you uh, and using sort of like you know just manipulation of different decks and stacks and stuff like that in order to manipulate them into a win condition Mm. Um, and it's very quick you can play it in less than 20 minutes probably play it in like 10 minutes if you know how to play it Uh, it it, it maybe seems a little arcane when you read the rule book the very first time but it's really not that complicated Uh, I think just about anybody can probably figure it out Uh, and I find it very satisfying it's a very very satisfying game to just kind of throw into like a 15-20 minute downtime period Uh, and you can carry it with you anywhere you could carry you could play it on your lunch break at work, you know. So Rage More is really great. And then if it's somebody that is looking for something a little heavier, right? Something a little chunkier, something that's maybe a little bit more boutique, something that's a little bit more of a like fancy gift that you're looking to get. Nemo's War for me is still the thing. Um, and I know we've reviewed it on the podcast, or at least we talked about it on one of the uh, the Gen Con podcasts. I know, uh, but I'm still playing Nemo's War. It is relatively rules-heavy, although once you learn the rules, you realize that it all kind of... It's very streamlined, and there's, like, rule reminders all over the board everywhere, so it's real difficult to forget how to play once you know how to play. Uh, And I just... I think Nemo's War is a very, very good, crunchy sort of, like, you know, risk-reward decision-making sort of game for me as a solo gamer, and it is designed with a solo gamer in mind. So I love that game. Uh... I recommend it highly to anybody that enjoys sitting down and playing a longer, crunchier game by themselves. So I've been intrigued those by those pocket games since you sent that link around. 
they're really neat yeah i I ended up getting like (laughs) six or eight of them or something i ordered like (laughs) four and then they ended up sending me a bunch more so (laughs) um yeah but uh yeah my first recommendation on those is rage more there's plenty others that i think are really great um i started really kind of like uh getting in sync with Sprawlopolis, which is one that you'll see often recommended to people. And it can be played solo, but it can also be played cooperatively with others. Uh, and, you know, several others. But uh, definitely Rage More for me is a, is a really good solo game, and I love how how streamlined and quick it is to play. That's, that's really great to me. Um, and it takes up very small footprint on the table, uh, whereas Sprawlopolis literally sprawls. So a uh, little difference there. All right, last category, Jason. Yeah. Uh, this was your recommendation. This is uh, board game accessories, board game paraphernalia. These would be like things that you might get for the board gamer that are not actual board games, but things that are board game adjacent or maybe, you know, like assist in the board gaming, make it like more pleasant, make it more mm-hmm. uh, whatever, whatever, right? Yes. So what are your recommendations for this? Okay, so I have a few. Um, the first one would be uh, a dice tower. Um, so for those of you that are unfamiliar, uh, a dice tower is basically a small device that, uh, you put on the table and you put your dice into the top of it and they tumble down and spit out into some kind of tray. Uh, and there you have it. Instead of having to like throw your dice across the table and sometimes having them roll off the place and trying to find them and, and whatever else. Um, the thing about dice towers is not only are they practical, but they're also kind of fun. Um, they come in all different kinds of, uh, varieties um, from the very plain to the very ornate. Um, you can get customized ones, although if you're looking for Christmas, it might be a little too late for that. But um, but there are plenty of uh, pre-made ones or ones that various craftspeople have in stock and can just ship you that um, that look really nice um, and are and and are basically a lot of fun to use just in themselves. Um, so, so that's one. You can also, if you're looking to sort of go in this dice theme, you can also get like a dice tray. Um, they're not, uh, usually not as ornate as, you know, a, a tower, which is literally a thing standing on end, but, um, they are, uh, often easier to store, uh, first of all, because they are usually sort of flat and you can fold them up, uh, to form like a little dish or a cup or something. Um, they don't take up as much space. Uh, they're easier to pass around sometimes than, a, than dice towers. Um, and, and they do a similar thing. They keep the dice from flying off the table. Um, I feel like they also, there's better visibility with them a little bit. True. Uh, yeah. It's the thing that I, I, I have had a couple dice towers. I never use them. Oh, really? Uh, I use I, mine I, all the time. I agree. It's a great gift because they're really nice and it's, you know, nice things are nice gifts. Yeah. Uh, and they're fun. They're fun to throw the dice down. Like the, 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 (laughs) you know, like the, the noise that it makes is fun. Uh, my kids love playing with them, but, uh, it's just difficult to read from across the table, like what the dice results are. Um, but, but the dice tray, if you get a wider one is a little easier to see into from, you know, like across the table or, you know, whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but but you're 100% correct. I 100% agree. A dice tower would be a fantastic gift for somebody because they are really, really nice and really, really fun. And there's still plenty usable in plenty of situations. You know? Yeah, I, like I said, I use mine all the time. Um, it is, uh, it is as you said, more of a th- usually better for like a, a personal use kind of thing. Like, um, yes, you know, you yes, pass yes, it from yes. player to player. And if, if nobody yes. else needs to see the dice roll, then nobody fine. else cares. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nobody's going to call you out for cheating or whatever. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that was one thought that I had. Um, another thought that I had was, um, anything that can help with like organization of, uh, of entire board games or board game pieces, uh, is usually Mm -hmm. really, really useful. Um, so, (laughs) so, I mean, if you get really into collecting as Kyle and I both know, we have tons of board games. They're not the most efficient use of space a lot of the times. Um, and you run out of space pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so anything you can do to help uh, a collector or somebody really into the hobby to organize their collection or organize any of the per- paraphernalia that they have that go with the collection um, can be not only a really useful gift, but also often can be really quite nice. Um, so you mean like a good shelving unit? Yeah, like a good shelving unit or sometimes even individual games have organizers that have been designed for them. Um, yeah, that you okay. can buy so let's separately. get into that because this was on my list. On my list, I put tackle boxes. Yeah. So that's the cheap way to go, right? Yeah. 
Um, if you walk into Walmart and you just say, oh, I'm going to get, you know, my board gamer significant other uh, a pack of three little plastic clear tackle boxes to organize game pieces in, uh, you know, the general purpose, you can, you know, use them for whatever game you can fit them into the box of uh, and like they'd make good stocking stuffers. But also like Jason's saying, there are like bespoke wooden or like, you know, like laser engraved. Uh, they could be 3D printed. Uh, they could be acrylic and cut with like a laser or a CNC or whatever. Um, there are like organizers out there that you can get from boutique retailers that make the the organizers specifically for specific games, and they 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 organize those components in like an almost perfect way. Yeah, yeah. I, and they're, people they're have put very nice. Some people have put an awful lot of time and thought into designing uh, organizers for specific games, and they look great. They do. And they're they're oftentimes very functional too. Yeah, yeah. And and make the game a lot easier to play, to set up and put away and everything. Uh, they're great. Um, highly recommend those. Do we talk about Broken Token? Uh, I was trying not to mention them. <laughs> okay, well, they're they're one of the bigger retailers, and they there was recently a lot of controversy uh, around that company because the uh, the owner. Uh, is apparently a sexual predator <laughs> apparently yes <laughs> yeah which is uh, why i wasn't so, gonna mention them but <laughs> so maybe don't buy from broken token if that you know is is a deal breaker for you i i stopped buying from them myself uh so that's you know maybe one thing to know about it is to maybe uh i don't know like i i think right now like a Gloomhaven, the, the the sequel Frosthaven was originally going to go with Broken Token to make the organizer, and now they're working with folded space which makes like nice but cheaper uh like foam core ones that you can like pop out and like glue together and everything yeah. and i've used some of theirs before and they're really great for being much more lightweight and much cheaper than the wooden ones that you can get um and then i think laser ox is the other company that they're going with for the the wooden organizer so that you have a choice now if you're getting frost haven of getting one or the other basically um so like those are two companies that i'm familiar with that uh i can recommend uh if you're looking for that also you can always just go to etsy and look for people that have made you know uh organizers for specific games they're they're on there yeah probably so and uh so the last suggestion i had uh sort of follows off of my recommendation for the from the warhammer stuff which is uh if you have somebody that's really into painting miniatures and and wargame wargame stuff um painting supplies or other painting stuff um is actually usually well appreciated and very useful um Mm -hmm. so sometimes people are very particular about their brushes so i might not go that route but um certainly things like uh like water pots um brush holders paint pot holders new paint sets wet palettes dry palettes uh if you want to go really fancy you can get somebody an airbrush um a small one (laughs) not like the kind they use at the county fair or whatever but no (laughs) um but uh but i mean that seriously go online and look at you know miniature painting accessories and you'll find tons of great ideas there yeah you can spend some money there seriously yeah uh, so we already talked about organizational things, which is one of the I put tackle boxes on my accessories list. Uh, but an- another one that to me is a-, a game changer for me was having a neoprene mat. Oh yeah, good uh, idea to play games on. Yeah, I, so I I created my own. Uh, I just went online and found a I think it's called like uh, Loop and Hook and Loop or something. Uh, some retailer that like will just send you like a sheet of neoprene and I cut it to the size of my table. Not a very nice gift though because it was like all jagged and stuff. You know, it wasn't very professionally done. But you can find really nice big professionally uh, created mats for gaming that are like three millimeters thick. They've got like you can find them with like stitching on the outside that make them look super nice. They might have graphics on the top like you get to get one that looks like space if you've got somebody that likes to play a lot of space related games or whatever, right? Um, and I, I feel like a mat makes a huge difference in the quality of just like the experience of playing a game. It just feels so much nicer to be touching a nice squishy surface underneath the card. It makes it so much easier to pick components up like, you know, like cardboard pieces, cards, things like that. Um, so I, I feel like that has improved my enjoyment of the hobby more than any other accessory it was just having neoprene mats to play on and, and I'll double mat. I've got my big mat out on the table and then I'll put another like game specific mat on top of that mat for Twilight Imperium or Eclipse or whatever. Um, you know, I, I I'll I'll mat I'll I'll triple mat if somebody dares me to. Uh, Don't but, double up. 
<laughs> uh, so Matt to me is the, uh, the, the neoprene Matt to me is the, uh, the number one recommendation that I have for an accessory. Um, the other thing that I have on my list is to just go to Etsy, the website Etsy, E-T-S-Y, if you're unfamiliar with it for some reason, uh, and just search for games that you know the person you're shopping for likes. Uh, if it's a game that is like their favorite game in the world, look for component upgrades, look for organizers, look for just things that celebrate that thing like a, a funny t-shirt or you know like like maybe you find somebody that made a trophy to pass around to whoever's the reigning champ in Twilight Imperium or whatever right <laughs> like there's there's all kinds of cool upgrades and you know uh just like great things that people have put on Etsy to celebrate or to assist with the board games that people love so that's a great place to look just for you know like board game related stuff uh, to try to to try to get stocking stuffers or you know like really thoughtful gifts for somebody that's into the hobby um, and I guess that's my final recommendation uh, <laughs> well I will say we gave them quite a list of things to think about yeah um, yeah too bad we don't have like an actual i guess i'll maybe i'll write this out as a list in the uh, on the website so if you want to see that where would they go jason <laughs> all right so if you don't want to listen to the podcast and just want the info down and dirty uh you can you can email us it's podcast at limitedplaytime.com you can go to the website limitedplaytime.com you can tweet us at limited playtime or go to instagram at limited playtime podcast thank you very much jason you. excellently done all right, uh, so uh, in less than two weeks, it's going to be Christmas. Happy holidays. Uh, happy holidays. Uh, I don't think we're going to be doing any more recordings between now and then, probably. Probably. But maybe right after Christmas. So, you know, around two weeks from now. We'll that's try out probably some of the new stuff at. we got. Yeah, I mean, if we get anything. Uh, you know, I was also going to mention during the slow, solo games part that... I'm going to, I gave my wife a list of like, these are solo games that I'm going to buy if you don't buy them for me. Uh, <laughs> so like I don't know if I'm getting any of them for Christmas, <laughs> but if I don't, I'm going to buy them. And so I'm going to have more recommendations down the road if people are interested in that. Uh, Cause there's a bunch of stuff that's like way off the beaten path that I'm getting into. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited to check some of that stuff out. So that's a thing that I think I might get into more and more as time goes on. Cause you know, the pandemic is still a thing for some people, and uh, <laughs> I think it's kind of still affecting our ability to get together and play, yeah. you know, multiplayer games with other people. So true. People are just busy too. So, uh, so anyway, that's that's a thing to look forward to in the future. Anything else you want to talk about, Jason? Before we sign off here, uh, no. Just hope everybody has a safe and healthy holiday. Yep, that's right. Okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you in around two weeks. Later. Bye. Oscar, sir. Bye.